right, welcome to Thursday's Roundtable with Pastor Wes. What's up, guys? Pastor Matt. Hey, hey. And myself, Pastor McGinty, we are so glad to have you guys. We are starting and kicking off season four of our podcast. It's been a couple months, so it, it has been a long time. Was season three the shortest? Was it just one episode? It, <laughs> it was like one of those like bonus fall seasons, spring half seasons. Yeah, but we're in season. So it was a, four. it was a, a, a BBC special. Like you got Sherlock season there you one go. and two, a mini series. So enjoy this because uh, you won't have another one. No, I'm just kidding. No, we'll <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we'll get back on things. You know, spring is kind of. A, a busy a time on. for churches, a yeah, like on. Easter or something. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, it's a big deal for us because something really big happened on that day, and uh, of course Easter weekend we had Good Friday service, our epic egg hunt, and you know, of course Sunday morning and all that goodness. So, what did you guys do with your families for Easter? Matt, you probably did more. No, I mean, you just did a did a big lunch and egg hunt and uh, baskets, and of course we did the. The epic egg hunt. On, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was a it was a good time. It's a good day. You guys do your own egg hunt at home? We did. That's yeah. awesome. How hard do y'all hide the eggs? Um, you know, I there's some that I, I, I half and half. Like half I, I really try to make it a challenge for the boys and then the other half I wanna make it a little bit easier for Chloe. So yeah. um it wouldn't saw, it wouldn't be an episode I saw of somebody post this mic, and so. I'm I'll I'll obviously we're we're <laughs> we're a ways away from having to get into it this ill, but uh, somebody posted that they did different color Easter eggs for different kids. Okay. So that huh. when the kids went out, they knew like, all right, so mine are all orange, yours are all blue, yours are all green, and then hid them, you know, to varying levels of that. And they were like, that way no one argues. It's not a free. That's, that's like, good. They anything you do to keep the peace, yeah. I'm a fan of. They get know? pretty competitive. Like, oh, yeah. Like we did three prize eggs and we just said, this is, this is Chloe's, Kayla. Yeah. So they knew that theirs was this color. They can't go try and find each other's prize egg like that egg and then of course all the other ones that just had candy in it well we had a our neighborhood hoa put on an easter egg hunt in the park and they had two thousand brave heart for children basically brave heart for children they put two thousand eggs out there and they had everyone line up okay the little ones go first and then you know the older kids can go second and there's like three waves of different age groups so they let the little kids go first and they waited like maybe three seconds and then like, okay, older kids go. And then the next kids go. And it was just this locust just scouring the field. And it was just, it was over in probably two and a half minutes max. My, my first church <laughs> had, had this property and we had these two soccer fields. They would do this huge, I mean, I, I don't like to give you dimensions, but it was at least, it was at least as wide as a full size soccer field. Do a huge square divided into four. So four small squares. And, and they would do different, different, different ones of those squares, different age brackets. So you had like yeah. a zero to four a five to seven anyways and so no you don't have to worry about sending in ways it's just sure. don't cross these lines and now you know you hear the horn burp, and it, it, it looks like this kind of tidal wave because the older you are the faster you move sure and so you know all all of the non-preschool squares are done in 20 seconds oh yeah, yeah. it's just done and what's fun is watching the little kids where they want to like open each one as they go yeah. it's like and the parents are like, no, 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 you're trying to get as many as possible. Like, you don't understand the strategy here. So, well, that's why I like, I like how we did it here at the church because we just we wanted to do something that was different and sure. creative and that you could do as a family and yeah. not be over in, in just a matter of minutes. And yeah. so, uh, we, and had, we had a great showing. I mean, we had yeah. 450 people here, not counting awesome. our volunteers, and it was packed. Uh, but it was yeah, the, the Amazing Race meets Easter Egg Hunt was yeah. great. That was a great <laughs> mashup for us. I loved it. it well, I just really want to say thank you to families for coming out, but also yeah. uh, we just want to say thank you to our volunteers because you guys 
killed it. You did an amazing job. We can't do stuff um, like that without you guys. Yep. I mean, we have amazing well. people here. We do. Yep. We do. We're blessed. Well, speaking of amazing, I've got an amazing Easter trivia. Oh, I thought you were about to say you you and Brooke had gotten qualified for the amazing race. That's what you were about to say. Uh, <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> There's like yeah, a YouTube amazing. channel, like the Holderness family do a bunch of goofy yeah. videos and stuff. They were on the amazing race yeah, recently. It was pretty awesome That's the them. worst part of the amazing race. they race. won? I don't oh, think I realized that. That's amazing. Yeah, they won. They're that amazing. old. They're the, I think the oldest winners in the history of the Amazing Race. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. Wow. They have not bragged about that enough. Yeah, that's the worst part of the Amazing Race is that it's it's a fun show and a fun concept, but you know everyone is getting to see you and your spouse. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, battle <laughs> through it's a very vulnerable uh, place. Yeah, right. I mean, they're seeing all of your dirty laundry on display. Sure. So, yeah. Well, we. Um, we got a, an Easter trivia for you guys. It's kind of a cultural stuff across the world about Easter. I'm going to pit Pastor Wes and Matt against each other and see who can get the most right. You guys ready for this? I don't know. Where's that? I need like a ding, ding, ding bell. All right. All right, here we go. The city of Marksville in this state has an egg knocking competition where competitors knock the tips of eggs together until only one person has an undamaged egg. So... The city of Marksville in this state. So A, Louisiana, B, Kansas, C, California, D, Alaska. So where, what state has this tradition? Where they knock the eggs to see who is a, the last standing egg. Like, well, I wonder, I mean, that's not, but why? Like, why, <laughs> why do we have to? How did this get look, started? Yeah, this is obscure. That so like, like, are you knocking each other's? Like, it's out. You got to protect your egg and not. Anyways, I don't know. That's Kansas, maybe. Yeah. Okay, your answer is Kansas. Locked in. What state seems like the most appropriate place where this might happen? Louisiana, Can Kansas, California, Alaska. I mean, part of me leans Kansas, but part of me just seems that's such a weird thing. That sounds like a Louisiana thing. All right, the answer is. Louisiana. Oh, so well done. Go. Good job. Good job. All right. All right. No offense to those from Louisiana. <laughs> the, I, I, I know. I'm, yeah, no offense. Texas is full of its crazy uh, traditions as well. Absolutely. This island not only exports the Easter lily, but also has a tradition of flying kites on Easter. A. Bermuda. B. Hawaii. C. Taiwan. D. Martha's Vineyard. This island not only exports the Easter lily, but also has a tradition of flying kites on Easter. I'll go Martha's Vineyard. I was going to say that too. You're going to both say Martha's Vineyard? Okay. The answer is Bermuda. Okay. So the Easter lilies come from Bermuda. That's right. They come from Bermuda. All right. In the town of Antigua, Guatemala, these items are laid on the street prior to the Good Friday procession. Okay. In the town of Antigua in Guatemala, A, baked goods. B, carpets, C, flowers, D, coats. Mm. Laid on the streets prior to the Good Friday procession. Being in Tigua in a couple months, I, I can ask them then, but <laughs> yeah. I need the answer now. Um, flowers? All right, flowers? I'm going to go. Baked goods, carpets, flowers, coats. I'm leaning. It's either carpets or coats. Uh do, 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 do. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Carpets. Goes carpets. The answer is carpets. Well done. Yes. All right. That's two for Wes. Man, Matt, you got to step up here, buddy. All right. Next question. The town of, I'm going to mess this up, Bessieres, okay, France, creates a giant omelet each year made from about this many eggs. So, a giant omelet in France 
for Easter? A, 2,000. B, 5,000 eggs. C, 10,000 eggs. D, 15,000 eggs. Can you imagine how much that bill is this year? Uh, No, thank you. (laughs) We're going to make our omelets out of gold. It'll be cheaper. Numbers again, two, five. 2,000, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000. How many eggs do they make a giant omelet out of? I'll say five. I'm going to go 10. 5,000, 10,000? The answer is 15,000 eggs. (laughs) It's impressive to say the least. Somebody's getting their protein on. Uh, Yeah. All right. The Barnek Wokny is a Polish tradition in which this animal is shaped out of butter. A, cow. B, dog. C, lamb. D, bear. The Barnek Wokny. I'm probably butchering that. I'm sorry. I'm not Polish. It's a tradition in which this animal is shaped out of butter. A cow, B dog, C lamb, D bear. Go. Lamb? Lamb? I'm going to go bear. Bear? The answer is lamb. Yeah, All I, right. I, I figured, but I, I felt like we needed to give different. We can't just go the same. <laughs> All right. This, that was a mercy one. You kind of gave it to nah, me. I went, I went mercy. It just does. Now, lamb makes sense being Easter, but you never know. But it seems too obvious, too. Mm -hmm. This lightly spiced pastry is popular in English-speaking countries and is often baked on Good Friday. A, hot cross buns. B, king cake. C, cinnamon roll. D, tea cake. This lightly spiced pastry is popular in English-speaking countries and is often baked on Good Friday. I'll go king cake. King cake? Hot cross buns. Hot cross buns. The answer is hot cross buns. The cross, you know man. Come on. on. The cross. The king cake is, that's that's <laughs> a that's like a New Orleans thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Louisiana. Yeah. Okay. Literally, In, I've not known a single one of these questions. I'm just trying guessing. to give an educated guess. So we'll be it, two, and two, two and two? Yeah, yeah. We're tied yeah, up. Two, two, two. Two. Right. In Crete, the Funara is accompanied by blowing up dynamite and shooting guns in the air. What is the Funara? This is so random. A, a parade. B, a feast. C, election. D, bonfire. In Crete, the Funara is accompanied by blowing up dynamite and shooting guns in the air. What is the Funara? Is it a parade, parade. feast, election, or bonfire? This is all around. I'm I'm going to go. None of this even makes sense. (laughs) Can't be a bonfire if then they're blowing up. Di- I mean, that's like she's like a feast. bad combo. I'll say feast. feast. I'm gonna go an election just because it's weird. The answer is bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Man, let's light a huge fire and let's blow some more stuff up. I mean, this sounds like a Texas tradition or maybe yeah. an ain't it? But too soon. All right. Um, one recent Norwegian tradition involves reading this type of story on Easter. A a Bible story. B, a detective story. C, a horror story. D, a sports story. A recent Norwegian tradition involves reading this type of story on Easter. A, Bible story. B, detective story. C, horror story. D, sports story. We'll go horror. Horror? What'd you say? Sports. Sports. The answer is detective Mm. story. So, nothing there. Let's play the sad music. Yep. Sorry. So, does does that mean... Does that mean... Oh, there's some more. I didn't it's know if that means we're tied. Okay. Right, here we go. In some parts of Australia, a chocolate version of this native animal is sold alongside the chocolate bunny. Is it A, a kangaroo, B, dingo, C, bandicoot, D, koala? I got to go koala. Koala? I was going to say koala, too. You can go koala. Mm. We yeah, let's go koala. All right, you're, you're both putting in koala. The answer is bandicoot. 
Oh, crash. Sorry. Mm. Wow. All right, so you're still tied. This is the wow. last one, okay? This should be a good equalizer because I don't think you guys have any clue what this is. So last question. This is the tiebreaker, and you could still tie to loose. It's also a possibility. What is the name of the Easter tree that is often a part of German Easter celebrations? The name of the Easter tree that is often a part of German Eastern celebrations. A, Tenenbaum. B, Osternbaum. C, awful bomb. D, and this starts with a P, Furstenbaum. Or Fersischbaum. So A, Tenenbaum. B, Osterbaum. D, Offelbaum. Offelbaum. D, Fersischbaum. Is it spelled PF on it the is, last one? It is PF. I'll go with that one. Just, you got it, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Wes, what you going with? Tenenbaum, Osterbaum, Offelbaum, Fischerbaum. Come on, man. German, Pflugerville. Yeah, no. Title is, title win. I'm what I'm trying to cycle is I know a little bit of German, so I'm trying to go through and think <laughs> if I know which one. West, this is a 45-minute bro. All right, last, yeah, last chance. Here. Come on now. I know. Um, look, I, I, I don't. Part of me really wants to go with the PF answer for multiple reasons, but we can't. I refuse. You can't just end in a tie. That's the most lame. No one wants <laughs> to right. watch a tie, so I'll go Offelbaum. Bond. Awful bomb. The answer is Osterbaum. We were both, <laughs> so wrong. both wrong. You both tied. Oh, well, well, you know. All right. Well done. You're both, you're both winners. You both get a trophy, you know? <laughs> Yay for you. Should have said lamb on that one question. Oh, well. yeah. <laughs> it stinks. All right. Well, well, so now we know. We know nothing globally about Easter, but that's all right. Yep. Hey, we do missions. know the real reason for Easter, mm. uh, right. which is that Jesus walked out of the grave and he's alive and resurrected. And, um, in that, we find ourselves in this from a from a um, church calendar perspective. Not that most of us in the Western uh, church really do much with this, but but in in reality, Jesus rose on Easter Sunday, and then there's this forty day period that we know he he appears at different times uh, here, still here um, in in his resurrected body in on on the earth before he ascends into heaven prior to Pentecost. And so um, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at some of those uh, some of those appearances and just what ours is. We're coming off of Easter as we're, as we're, as we're stepping into um, the post-Easter season. What how does some of these that's not where the stories in scripture stop but then you say, Jesus rose from the dead whoop and then scripture stops there's there's these other stories still in the gospels in the beginning of acts that um that seem to really give some clear direction towards uh how we live post resurrection so and boy does the bible love the number 40 <laughs> Yeah, forty is definitely one of the numbers that are that are popular. So, so we know uh, first first resurrection appearances actually happen uh, fairly immediately after the tomb is discovered empty, and it happens to uh, to the ladies who were followers of Christ and who were going there that morning to um, finish treating the body. And um, simple uh, simple reality for that, that the, the amazing part of that from a eyewitness testimony fact is that in the first century you would never make up a story nope. where your first eyewitnesses were women. women women were not viewed as um qualified to even give legal testimony yeah so anytime people say the new testament is regressive keep this in mind some of jesus closest people he invested in were women mm-hmm. and the fact that he revealed himself first to women and it's like we're all equal under the gospel. You know, when Paul says there's no man, no male, female, there's no Greek, there's no Jew, there's no poor, rich. We're all equal under what Christ has called us to. 
Yeah, there's just this reality of Jesus doesn't really care who society looks down on as as far as um as far as those things, he's gonna appear to who he's gonna appear to. And the and here's another reality. Who showed up at the tomb that morning? Yeah. One of the disciples. Yeah. The dude dropped well, open and about and they're doing something. To finish doing what they thought they needed to do. And um so there's an incredible truth there. And and, and, and as you go down and you see his appearances, Jesus um Jesus' resurrection isn't for the cool and the popular and the people who think, oh, man, we're on the inside track. Jesus' resurrection is for anybody who will respond to it. Yeah. Sure. And the, and the, and the writers didn't hide that fact. Nope. I mean, the writers, they were very clear that, um, you know, he appeared first to them. And, um, yeah, and then when they got to the, to the tomb, uh, he wasn't there. Yeah. So, And if you were to make up, like, I want to make up the most convincing version of this story, right. of this resurrection, you would not have the first witnesses be... Ladies, you would mm-hmm. try to think of someone really famous or someone really notable. It wouldn't even be any disciples because they'd be biased. Yeah. You'd want to kind of go there. Mm-hmm. And you, the, yeah, you would only record it if you are so driven by what is true yeah. to record what actually happened. That's Absolutely. Right. And, and there's a sweetness there. So he pierced, he pierced to the ladies. Uh, and then we know from Luke's gospel that that same day, at some point, there's two nameless disciples, not necessarily two of the 12, but two, two followers of Jesus who are walking from Jerusalem to another town, uh, Emmaus, and Jesus shows up, walks with them. They do not recognize him. Uh, which that in and of itself, it's, we won't really dive into that problem. Well, did they just podcast, never look into his crazy. face, or did Jesus like hide his? Uh, but one of the interesting things is they, so he, you know, he Jesus just asked some asked some probing questions. Hey, why, 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 what's going on? Why is everybody not like? Where have you been? Mm. And we, we, some of us thought this guy was the Messiah, and they just put him to death. And and it says that Jesus began to walk through, starting with the the, the law, walk through the Old Testament showing them mm-hmm. how how the Messiah must die, come die, and rise again. So he's he's explaining that and then and then showing how he's the fulfillment of that. But I think also too he knew that, you know, as this is recorded and shared in the future, you know, to help Jewish people and people like us to connect the dots and see that this all is a part of the grand scheme of things. Yeah. You know, this is um, not only is this a cool story, but this is this is the fulfillment of all this prophecy that we believed. And what I think is so fascinating about that is no one saw this coming. You think mm-hmm. about the Pharisees; they saw the resurrection as a, a mass event. Like the resurrection yeah. was for everybody; it was a one-time thing. The Sadducees didn't even believe in a resurrection, resurrection. Yeah. and so for the resurrection to be a person was oh and really thought about that like Mm -hmm. that was not something that anyone was prepared to really think through and for jesus to lay down the groundwork and and explain how this is all clear and how god had a plan leading up to this like how mind-blowing must that have been you know like a complete just total change in the way they have to start thinking about things in some ways but also just bigger and more beautiful and you know the apostle paul gets so much credit for laying out all these rich connections to the old Testament and to, you know, what Jesus did and accomplished and his application for the church. Of course, Hebrews just takes it to a whole nother level, but they wouldn't have been able to do that unless Jesus himself connected the dots first. Like Mm -hmm. I am this, right? I, I am the resurrection and here's how it all connects. And it gives permission and gives, it opens the doors for that to be unpacked even further. Yeah. And I I think, you know, part of what's amazing is basically you got all these all these Jewish scribes, 
Pharisees, Sadducees, all these people who, let's be honest, I mean, mo- most of these, those, those kind of professional theologians of their day had a way deeper understanding of the Old Testament than, than most of us as pastors today. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have the first five books memorized by the time you're 13, memorized mm-hmm. in the Hebrew. Um, you go through all that, and here's, here's, here's what it tells you, too. You can have flawless Bible knowledge and miss God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those people have flawless <laughs> Old Testament. They knew the Old Testament line for line, cover to cover, yet missed <laughs> yeah. completely. Jesus basically says, look, everybody should know this is what's supposed to happen. It's all laid out yeah. to see here. And so he walks back through. And so there's a great application there. Both of, Maybe you're on the fence, you don't really know about Jesus. You, you can have all sorts of Bible knowledge and not really be saved. Yeah. You can have as a believer all sorts of Bible knowledge and really miss what God is actually saying there. Um, and so there's got to be a humility to really drive in and see it. And I think, too, the reality is also this in application. I love... I think a lot of believers are scared by the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I was asked the question one time, you know, what part of the Bible, if you only have one part of the Bible to take with you, it would be, and I said, well, I'd, I'd probably take the prophets. And and they and they would be, they were teasing me. It wouldn't, seriously, they're like, ah, you're one of those Old Testament law guys. You're not, I want to forget about grace and this and that. And they were, they were being, playing seminary jokes. But the whole, whole point is, yeah, I, I love the prophets. You know why I love the prophets? Because you see Jesus in the prophets, sure. you see you mm-hmm. see all these things. So uh, part of the application too should be as believers, we don't need to be afraid of the Old Testament yeah. and reject this idea that somehow God's different in the New Testament. No, He's the same God. That's why I love the Book of Hebrews. It's like a perfect amalgamation of both in some ways. Yeah. And I think personally, this story and Jesus' post-resurrection, Him connecting the dots, it really you mentioned humility. That was a big thing for me because I remember in high school, like when I first started studying eschatology, it was like, oh man, I've got super dogmatic about my positions and this is how things are going to go. You know, everyone else is wrong. And humility had to kind of creep in and realize there's people who knew far more than I do about Jesus' second coming. And then you look at the story about the Pharisees and these guys who understood scripture or they knew it so well and they got Jesus' first coming completely wrong. So when we study like the second coming of Christ and the end times, I think a healthy dose dose of humility is is key because <laughs> it's yeah. like if the people who knew scripture better than we knew it at the time got it wrong with his first coming we need to be like yeah. our eyes peeled and ready for what that may look like when jesus comes the a second time because nobody truly knows yeah like, exactly i mean we we have hints and, and think but i mean ultimately that's god's knowledge and you know only he knows how exactly it's going to happen and what it's right. going to look like we have ideas but they're just their ideas based on scripture, but still yeah. we just we can't know. But don't forget he's gonna come back in two thousand. Oh wait, no, sorry, two thousand twelve. Oh wait, sorry, twenty eight. Oh wait, twenty twenty two. Jesus may not know when he's coming back, but I do. <laughs> I love I love what you said uh earlier, Wes, about um Jesus's approach with these two men. You know, yeah. he was gracious and he was yeah. he was willing to to walk through this with them and and help them understand and explain. And that passage and, seems to indicate he spent a good chunk of the day yeah. walking with these men. It's not a short eats, walk. He, he, it's not a short walk, and he eats dinner with them. Yeah. yeah. And and then it's once they all of a sudden, all the dots finally click, and then, yeah. boom, he disappears. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he, I got to go visit uh, the other disciples. Yeah. And I know we're going to lead, lead into this in a second, just about him appearing to the disciples, but... It's just, it's, it's fascinating that this is the way that Jesus chose to do it. Like Mm -hmm. if you're coming back, you know, and in my mind, I'm thinking, man, you, you appear to everyone, you make it, you make it known, you 
make it very obvious. Like a, and, Booyah, and you tried that, to get me. <laughs> the fact that Jesus is is appearing to his his followers, like they get to be the ones to first yeah. encounter him and not just not just see him, but to to have conversations with him and, and for him to relate to them as um, you know, as a friend and but also the Lord. Um, it's just cool. I know that leads into what yeah, well, and, we're talking about next. And, and in that, to, to just say, we talk about all these people should have seen it from the Old Testament. Well, mm-hmm. you can also come in and say, and this leads into the next as well, well, then of anybody, the disciples should have seen it because they had Jesus for three years yeah. Yeah. teaching them, and they didn't. Yeah. And yet, when you see Jesus show up after, so, that, so he leaves those two, two, those those two apostles, and he he then shows up to all the all the apostles minus Thomas, or the, the disciples, the t- the twelve minus be the, the ten at that point because Thomas wasn't there and Judas is dead. Um, and he shows up, and his words aren't, "You lug nuts, what are you doing here?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> he shows up and he says, "Peace, yeah. peace be with you." Yeah. Um, and don't be afraid. And there is there is a graciousness and a gentleness to here's his disciples who've all fled, who all r- r- said, you know, a couple of days prior, we'll, we'll die for you, Jesus. Yeah. And then when the moment came, they all took off like a bunch of scared chickens yeah. and here and, and weren't at the tomb waiting. And here he shows up and he says, peace be with you. There's a there's a graciousness there yeah. that. um Sometimes we can forget in terms of how God relates to us, and sometimes we can forget, especially in terms of how God relates to other people. Sure, I mean, imagine, God will be gracious with me, but you, why aren't you getting right. this? Grace for me, but law for thee, right? Yeah. And you think if the disciples had really believed that Jesus was going to rise from the dead, wouldn't they be like camping out watching, like I want to see this happen? Like it'd be the coolest thing to see him bust mm-hmm. out of the grave or whatever that looked like. You know, soldiers being knocked to the ground, but they didn't. Which, uh, which is a driving truth that why no human being merit salvation not a human being on the planet had a clue what jesus was doing mm-hmm. sure because that's how messed up we are in our sin mm, no doubt. we need jesus to fix the problem but anyway, in this story so we, we want to keep moving in this story when the first parents thomas isn't there so thomas hears about these i'm, I'm not going to believe you till i see it for myself and as as uh, that appearance goes uh, a week later jesus shows up thomas is there and of course jesus says hey thomas you know look up here, here's the scars here's the scars in my hand here's the scar on the yeah. side touch it feel it see that it's real and of course thomas believes and what we mentioned there's an incredible graciousness with because there's several several of these resurrection appearances. it mentions that some of the disciples are still struggling with some doubt they're still trying oh, to sure. figure, piece this together figure they this all out. doubted and so jesus is gracious with them but there's also this statement then that jesus makes to thomas and and he says you know um you've believed because you've seen blessed are those who will believe not having seen blessed are those who will believe um really in in, in true faith just simply <clears throat> in the hearing of 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 the testimony that i've risen which yeah. which is uh, us which is yeah. us yeah which is the overwhelming majority of of followers of jesus christ <laughs> and we don't think that way because we think man if only i had been alive when jesus was alive i would love to just been in sit in the presence of jesus and just asking questions and been one of the disciples and ask oh wait those disciples all were martyred <laughs> did not leave a good life to, is that what i really wanted but just to see jesus face to face and to experience those things for ourselves we i mean i don't know about you but I would love to see that. I'd love to travel back in time and yeah. witness these things for myself. But Jesus says those who didn't but still believe, there's a blessing there. Yeah, and I think we can take comfort in, in seeing how he dealt with doubts. Um, again, these are people that that lived with him and walked with him for, yeah. for three years, and yet they still doubted. I mean, Thomas and, demanded proof, right? right? Unless I see the nail, you know, the, yeah. the hands and the scars. Yeah. And yeah. Jesus. He was gracious. He gave it to he, him. Yeah, he gave it to him. 
Um, yeah, Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, that's that's good. I, I, I just it's a it's amazing to think that yeah we we all struggle with doubts at times you know I, I mean just God why are you doing this God how are you going to do this and and just to see that he's he's okay with that you know yeah. um, as long as we're not you know totally walking away from the faith but you know he's gracious in those doubts and meeting us where we are and, and helping yeah. us to, and then the key is yeah. in his graciousness and meeting us he doesn't God's intention doesn't leave us in those doubts but yeah. brings us to the answers That's right. sure. And walks with uh, us through that in processing that. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think what's remarkable is just realizing it's easy. Man, you, you know, you'll hear, you'll hear some stories of, you know, uh, someone who's had a, a dream and, and claims to have seen just that. And, you, you know, the average believer goes, man, my testimony's not that great. I just, you know, I heard the gospel as a kid. God convicted me of my sins. I asked Jesus to save me. Mama, I don't have one of those cool flashy testimonies. How could God use it? I, you know, I, I just believe. And here's the reality. Jesus literally says, the people who believe, who hear the word, and who believe blessed blessed they're more blessed than those who are demand who who have this yes somebody looks at thomas hey thomas i'm so glad you're believing now but understand those who believe at the word of truth at the word of the of testimony blessed are those mm-hmm. those are the ones who are blessed and really highly favored and and, and it also tells you god's jesus's expectation because i know that's you know you, you can get into some debates with some people today well if you're god's really jesus why didn't why didn't jesus just show up you gotta well, well, Jesus kind of sets the because that's the pattern there for the way the way people are going to believe in me is not because I'm going to stand in front of them. I expect them to believe at the word of testimony. I expect them to take the word of eyewitnesses. I expect them to take this. And there's a there's a, a great story that puts this into perspective. I was sharing with you guys earlier. Um, some believers will be familiar, but probably not not as many. There, there was a man by the name of Sundar Singh who lived in the early 20th century. He uh, was was Indian, uh, uh, grown up in India, Indian man, uh, Indian boy, grown up at a time when when uh, Britain controlled India, and so grows up in this uh, essentially, uh, you know, a, a, a school at that day, but would have had Bible class and and been taught the Christian religion. And he vehemently hated God. Would try to pick fights with his teachers. Hated because his mom died, and so he had he held this anger at well, if your God is really, why would my mom die? And so he just had this hatred of God that drove drove him as a, as a teenager into a point where he was ready to end his life. And so he had, he had fully written out this plan, saying tomorrow morning I'm going to go down to the train station. And I'm going to throw. I'm going to wait for the right moment when the train is coming in. I'm going to throw myself in front of the train, in my life, take take myself out. And that night, for whatever reason, he just prays. Says, "Lord, if you are really real, then you better show yourself to me tonight. And um, otherwise, this is what I'm doing." Well, that night he, in his sleep, has a dream where he sees Jesus in the dream. He wakes up the next morning, comes to faith in Christ. There's this radical transformation. And he'll go on, he'll go on to walk thousands of miles through the mountains of India, Nepal, I believe even up as north as far north as Tibet, ministering to these Buddhist communities and seeking to bring the gospel to them. And there's crazy stories associated with that. Like he goes into a village, gets persecuted like Paul, beaten, they take him out, throw him in this pit, seal the pit. There's no way to climb out. It's locked. He's in that pit for three days, and all of a sudden the third day, that that day, all of a sudden, the lid slides off, and, and he sees a hand drop a rope down. He climbs up the rope. Nobody in sight. 
So he, like Paul, marches back into the town and starts <laughs> preaching the gospel. And the magistrate comes out just furious, demanding to know who stole the key. There's one key to the lock for that pit, and it's always on me. Who stole the key? Well, then he's shocked when he discovers the key's still on his body. No one stole the key. So here's this man with these crazy stories Feels of supernatural like a, deliverance. a white-collar Neil Caffrey kind of <laughs> <laughs> So he gets on the speaking circuit through, you know, some. I don't know who hears of him, but he ends up being brought to churches in Europe and America to come share. Um, and of course, what's crazy is at that time, you know, some of us think, oh, the good old days when so many people believed he was disgusted by the European and American church, by how materialistically we were, by how off we were from the Great Commission, things this like that. in the that. 20s? Yeah, this is like so the, the roaring 20s. 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he, uh, um, but in, in this time, he's giving, he's presenting his testimony, sharing God's stories. And after one night after that, a young, a young woman, a young teenage girl comes up to him and just in tears and agony, just saying, I, I hear your stories of faith and how God has done these miraculous things. And you've, you've seen him and just, I, I, my, my faith is so weak to that. And I can't, I can't follow that. And she's just, dis, just discouraged and despondent because she's been seeking to love Jesus and follow, but she doesn't see the same kind of stuff in her life. And Sundar looks at her and he says, and he brings up this resurrection appearance of Jesus to Thomas. And he says, no, you don't understand, child. You are the one who has the stronger faith than I. I believe because I saw. You have believed solely because you have heard. And Jesus says, you are blessed. Your your faith is greater than my faith. That's cool. Now, the, that's enough, enough to give you up. But that young girl is Corey Tinboon. Whoa! And now would, you know the rest of the story. Who would go on, obviously, to hide Jews in her house. Who would, and her family would be thrown into concentration camps in World War II. She'd wow. be the only one to survive. Unbelievable legacy of faith and mm. and teaching for the Lord. And so, there's a really powerful truth here because most of us, I'm willing to say, probably all of us who are listening to this podcast, you believe because you've heard. Yeah. And do not forget, Jesus says, "Blessed, mm. blessed are you." Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So, no doubt, we've elaborated there. But there's more. There's more. The times he appears, he he'll appear. Uh, key appearances in John chapter 21. He will appear. The disciples have gone gone back up to Galaxy, Galilee. Some of them are fishing, and he appears on the seashore. They the interaction. They get down to the seashore have breakfast, and it's in this encounter where he is going to restore. He and Peter. He hasn't. Peter hadn't dealt with his three times denial. And Jesus yeah. is going to deal with it here. And, of course, yeah, you all know how the story goes. Yeah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you love me? Three times this back and forth. And after that third time, Peter really is filled with dismay. He recognizes what's going on. And Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep. And and essentially calls him back, restores him yeah. to really a right fellowship with him, a right relationship with him, and charges him to go about what he's doing. Um, anything you, yeah, you want to pick up on that? Matt? Yeah, I just, I love that I story. I get chills because, every time I think about the story, not just because it's cold in here, but yeah. also. <laughs> I mean, I, I love, I love how he reinstates Peter. Um, but I also just love the fact that, um, he's there on the shore making breakfast for him. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, it's fish. <laughs> Taking care of not, their basic needs. They've been fishing all night. It right? mirrors yeah. like, but, you know, God visiting with Abraham and having breakfast with him. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's, he's there serving, he's, he's there ready to to welcome the disciples and and meet a, a basic need which is what Jesus's whole life was about you know you always see him meeting needs and um again just just it's a very cool very practical story where you look at that and say man he he really loves he really loves his followers he really yeah, loves yeah. his people and and um 
Yeah, the fact that he had that kind of grace with Peter and forgave him um, when Peter had betrayed him in his hour of need, and, yeah. and Jesus reinstates him. And um, it's so cool to see just the transformation in Peter that yeah. happened as a result of that, and Peter's boldness. And I mean, you know, the Book of Acts. You're just this is a different Peter. Yeah, yeah. you're you're just like whoa! Look at what Peter did and, and his boldness well, and his courage. Yeah. And a pretty four to fifty days he goes from profanely denying Jesus yep. in the court, seeing Jesus being tried by the Sanhedrin mm-hmm. to cor- boldly, like boldly standing up in the middle of the temple going, and you, you're the ones who put him on the cross yeah. uh, to days later standing in front of that same Sanhedrin, mm-hmm. not backing down. And that Sanhedrin going, this guy's never been to school like we are, but we can't keep up with him. He's been yeah. with Jesus. I mean, the, the radical transformation that this moment is pivotal. Sure. And the humility. It was a watershed Peter. moment. For the him. humility. Peter had boldness and yet humility, um, you know, continually pointing it back to to Jesus the, yeah. the miracles that he did you know there people are, are talking about him and he, no it's it's about Jesus and even to his death you know the fact uh, as tradition tells us that he didn't consider himself worthy to die the same way Jesus did <laughs> but to be on a, if I'm gonna put me on a cross put me upside down yeah on the cross because I'm not worthy to die yeah. like Jesus did so three things really stand out to me about this story real quick one I love the fact that Peter doesn't wait for the boat to get the shore yeah. Like he just jumps out of the boat. Yeah. like, it's Jesus. He's like, yeah. you know, elf, like yeah. Santa, you know, like running, like, oh my goodness. I, I, I want to be near you. Like there's a sense of urgency to be in the presence of Christ. I just, I love that. And it's, it's challenging too. What I also love is how gentle Jesus is with his confrontation mm-hmm. with Peter. He doesn't like say you idiot, you know, yeah. he doesn't just slap around the face. He doesn't like hardcore confrontation. It's not like Nathan approaching David, like you are that man, you know, like this, it's it's sort of hinting it's gentle and he allows peter to come to the, his own conclusion and own conviction mm-hmm. which i well, think is really and powerful in there what i think and i'm gonna get a third thing so i'll, I'll, I'll send it back to you the, i think the thing that's because we just looked at this last night in church that ultimately the whole crux of christian ethics comes down to loving God like yeah. what what does right or wrong come down to love the Lord God with all your heart soul, mind and strength so I love that in that conversation what Jesus is bringing up to him hey Peter do you love me yeah not hey Peter did you keep on my and, and again don't don't miss what I'm saying obviously if we love him Jesus says we love him we're going to keep his commands it's not we're not trying not trying to but but Jesus brings it to what it actually is all about for any of our lives sure it's about a relationship with God Almighty and that relationship mm-hmm. is to be centered not on duty but on love do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? I remember, uh, oh man, this is getting off. So hold your third thing since we're supposed to share personal <laughs> don't stories. Don't forget, yet. don't forget. There was a pivotal moment in my life as a teenager. Um, there had been, there had been this, this major, the, 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 the sports was, was not just, and I, it was like the king of my heart mm-hmm. at this point in life. My identity was 100% found in my performance in sports. Mm-hmm. Now, I was still seeking the Lord. I still was having quiet times, more days than not. I was still praying, was active in doing ministry. But there, but there was this war in my heart. And I knew sports was a, was a problem. Like It's not like the Lord hadn't been gentle along the way to point, to point out, hey, you need, you need to let go. You're finding a worth and an identity and, and creating yourself around this thing. And I will never forget the day... Um, 
I had, and, and, and it wasn't reading that past re- reading the, uh, you know, like a Jesus freak story of martyrs books. And I don't remember the exact story, but I remember in there, whatever it was forced me to pray. And as I was praying, there was this encounter for me with the Lord. Where I could just sense the Holy spirit say, Wes, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, I love you. Wes, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, I love you. Wes, do you love me? Yes, Lord. And and then same kind of pattern just by the time you get to the third point of going. Yeah, and, and I can just hear and I could just hear the Holy Spirit whisper, if, then 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 this has to go. Mm-hmm. You have to let go. And that meant my freshman year of high school, I was what I felt like was the ultimate of lame. I was a homeschool pastor's kid who did no extracurricular activities. <laughs> I remember going around in Sunday school, everybody say what you do and Sunday school teacher will come and it's like, I do nothing. Like you want to come watch me read my textbook on the couch. You know, <laughs> uh, that's, that's all I got. Uh, I go play racquetball. I did end up, you know, I go play racquetball with the old guys up at the, up at the uh, fitness club, you know, on, on, at, on three o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. Racquetball, uh, the gateway to uh pickleball. But, but it, but it went around to that same thing of the issue was, it's an issue of, of love in that relationship and so that that rings very personal just i love that jesus pulls it back to and not in a way that's guilting but it's just in a truthful way do you love me yeah Yeah, that's good so sorry you got a third thing so in light of that so you know when jesus restores us gently i think it challenges us to restore others gently as well Mm -hmm. you know if gentleness if that ingredient isn't there then the restoration is really in jeopardy Mm -hmm. because Pride is such a factor, right? You know, think about you know just anyway. So well, you just you just paraphrase Galatians six one. Yeah, pretty much. So the third thing was really apologetics. You know, looking at the disciples, the change in the disciples. If the gospels are really made up, you wouldn't list all their ugly parts and then being terrified and scared and doubtful and all this stuff and being broken and rejecting. Yeah. But then to list their triumphs and see this total change. These guys went from being these cowards to being incredibly bold. Yeah. I mean, you, it's like the whole cliche. Some people are willing to live for a lie if they think it's true, but no one's going to live for a lie knowing it's a lie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what was the thing I saw a Chuck Colson quote? He said, he knows the resurrection is true because basically he watched how the, the best liars in the world couldn't keep the story straight for Nixon (laughs) for two weeks. And yet here's, here's all these people that, that if it was a lie, kept the same story for decades and and through suffering and to their deaths. It's, it's hard to go through that. And, and so that, that to me really is impactful for me to see the radical change in the, in their behavior because and, and of these there, And I know we got a couple others, no, but we'll, we'll summarize. But, but in there too, I think the other thing that's a really great application for all of us as believers is after, well, and actually there's two, so let me back up. One, there is something to notice about Peter because Peter's not the only disciple who who is given uh, word space in, in scripture to, to deny Jesus. Judas is the other, but those two disciples have two very different responses to their failure. Mm-hmm. Judas is, they're both filled with sorrow. They both go out and weep. But Judas is filled with a sorrow that totally doesn't understand the character of Jesus, and he sees no hope, and he goes out and hangs himself. Wow. He he runs from the character of God. Peter, Peter still hadn't really dealt with the Lord, but Peter runs to the tomb. Peter has an encounter with Jesus. We know from 1 Corinthians, Peter's with the disciples when Jesus shows up. Peter sees Jesus, which means by the time this happens, he's already seen Jesus a few times. I know, he's still excited. <laughs> and he jumps off the boat, and he yeah. dives out there, and he gets there. There is this understanding for all of Peter's um, impulsiveness for all of Peter's pride, there is this 
something in Peter that understands, something about the character of Jesus, that even in his failure, he runs back to Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to understand when we're going to, there's going to be times we fail as believers. And there can be a Judas response, which is to not really understand the heart of God, to think there's no hope for me. God just doesn't want anything to do with me. There's Which ignores the entire message of Easter. If God wanted nothing to do with us, then while we were still sinners, Christ would not have died for us. Amen. But it's the inverse. God wants something to do with us. So like Peter, there's something to be learned to go. You've messed yeah. up. Great. Go run back into the presence of the Lord. Second to that, after this moment, Peter then, like Peter, looks over and he sees another disciple because Jesus tells him, well, basically prophesies, Peter, you're you're going to die, you're going to die a martyr's death. And Peter's like, well, what about that disciple? <laughs> and Jesus's words here are really great. He says, "What is it to you if if he never dies? You follow me." Mm-hmm. And there's a great word of application there. Of God does not call any one of us to His plan for another believer's life. And God's plan for your life, I don't get to sit here and go, but God, what about God's plan for Matt? Okay, God's got a plan for Matt. It's not the plan for Wes. Yeah. I'm called to follow Jesus. I am given a responsibility to give account for his will for my life. And I, there's some, yeah. in a day and age where we live in a society of comparison, oh man, it, it, he's got such a bigger platform. He just seems to be more, I, I'm just, and what was me? Throw out all the comparison stuff. Jesus doesn't compare. Jesus says, you follow me. Mm-hmm. That's a great application from, and, there's so much in that passage. And speaking of Jesus calling these disciples to follow him, they later appear at the mountain of Galilee where he gives the yeah. great commission to ultimately what that looks like. The plan yeah. For so it. you have, you have two, you have uh, really th- three, three appearances, uh, probably two different times, but that, that echo one, one there we know in Matthew with the great commission comes, go there. All authority has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples. And then you've got acts eight before or acts one, eight before his ascension, where he says the Holy spirit will come upon you and give you power yep. and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And this idea that here is this major priority in the life of Jesus that we understand that, Hey, I'm risen. All authority's mine. I'm going to sit at the right hand of God so I can send God the Holy Spirit who's going to actually live inside of you. If I stay here, I'm just going to be right here outside of you. I'm going to go, God himself, Holy Spirit's going to live inside of you. You're going to have the ability, power, the ability to actually do what I'm telling you to do, to go be my witnesses, to proclaim this gospel message, to go and make disciples. What do you think the emphasis of Jesus is after his resurrection? He makes it really clear. Y'all, y'all tag on to that. Had on everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that was rhetorical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's my thought. I was, I was, I was tossing, tossing the ball out to you guys and dropped. Well, the, <laughs> I'm guessing this is what you're, but the fact that he, he's not saying, okay, guys, it's on you, your turn, you do it. He's yeah. saying, go into the world, and I'm going to be, I'm, I am going to be the one to take you, and I'm going to be in you. I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to give you the boldness. Yeah. Um. So, in this, it's like. I'm leaving you to do the work, but I'm not leaving you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. But now rather than it being one man, it's my spirit coming to live in and just all, all my followers. And just think how daunting that is. I mean, he said, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And they're thinking, um, we don't even does, know the ends of the yeah, earth. Yeah, we don't where even are the ends of the earth? Like, yeah. 
everywhere. <laughs> like it's a bit of a tall order. And then Paul's like, I got this. <laughs> I love it. I love it after he ascends and they're they're still looking up. And yeah, like oh. he just appear and just yeah. say, Why are you still standing Pick here? Pick your jaws like, off yeah. the floor go, and go, get it done. Go. Yeah. Um, but it's not like Jesus gave him any specifics. Like, hey, I want you to go to this temple and do this thing and preach the stuff. It's like, uh, we, yeah, all right, we're just gonna go pray. Well, go you and know? yeah, go and wait. Go and wait for the Holy Spirit. Um, and then when the yeah. Holy Spirit comes, get on with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very cool. And I think yeah. What's what's to pick up on that point? What's incredible about application wise is how how daunting must that have been? Yet yeah. yet when you read the book of Acts, you don't see the disciples particularly like overwhelmed by it. Yeah. They just go do it. And, and I think that's yeah. interesting for us as we think today. God has called us to go and make disciples. Mm-hmm. Jesus is with us always to mm-hmm. the ends of the earth, to the ends no of doubt. the age. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us to enable us to do it. Yet oftentimes we talk about, oh, my goodness, here's what we got to do to reach our community, to reach our state, to reach our country, to reach the world. <gasps> it's so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. If, One if, that, if that's where we get to. Then we've missed what the disciples understood because right. they had way more ground to cover than yeah. we do and way fewer people. And they were like, okay, and it, God's got this. Let's go. In yeah. the one person at a time, Jesus didn't say go forth and make converts yeah. or make believers or people who he said make disciples. And disciples are procreating. Disciples make more disciples. Yeah. You know, and that's always convicting for me because it's so much easy to be involved with church and go, let's just get people to believe. Let's just get people to just accept some ideas, understand and come to a point of conversion and, and not do the long work of really investing in people one-on-one and really say, I will walk with you. I'm yeah. not just going to teach you things. I'm going to walk with you like Jesus walked with his disciples. To, to image it, let's not just get babies born. But once those babies are born, let's let's actually parent them. Let's actually yeah. help grow them into maturity to where we're all, to we've all attained yeah. to maturity, to adulthood. So there's, there's unbelievable application in the resurrection of Jesus that we don't just go, woo, he's resurrected. We go out and we say, hey, Jesus is resurrected, which I think kind of alludes to this last, the last kind of category of appearances we've got on here, um, you know, where where Paul will come in, and we looked at this Sunday in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul will come in and say, man, Jesus appeared to Peter, he appeared to the 12, he appeared to the, the apostles, he appeared to over 500 followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though a couple have died. He appeared to his brother James, who thought he was crazy. And last of all, seemingly out of place after he ascended into heaven several years later, he appeared even to me, who has absolutely not worthy of any of it, because I was actively trying to kill everybody who who believed. And mm-hmm. Paul offers these appearances in such a way as to say to the Corinthians, hey, you who are doubting the resurrection, you want to go You want to go talk to the people who saw it? They're still around. Go talk to them. Yeah. Um, hey, the people who saw it were both friends and haters of Jesus, both of whom weren't at his death prepared to follow him, now of whom are clear leaders that are there. He presents it as kind of this, this absolutely happened, so what are you going to do with it? Yeah. This kind yeah. of apologetical proof to leave no kind of wishy-washiness. And the good news, we always think of the good news is the gospel and all these string of theological truths and what the good news that's probably like wildfire was, he's not dead. Like, guess yeah. what? He's, he's not, the, the Messiah is alive. Like, he's alive. The Messiah you've been longing for, going to all the different Jewish ghettos and all the different cities across Rome. Guess what? The Messiah you longed for, it was Jesus, and he's alive. You know, and then unpacking that even further, it's just, Whoa. Yeah, so how does that, you know, I've, I've used the example, and y'all, y'all have heard it before, and, and I'd be curious to your thoughts as we, as, we, as we move into our conclusion here. I've used the example of, uh, I mean, as a youth pastor, and he's like, look, if I got a phone call right now that said, we've got a wildfire, it's yeah. five miles away, 
It's a hundred feet high. It's a mile wide and it's moving. It's going to be, be where you're at in 10 minutes. Reality is that fire either exists or it doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, reality is one of those two. Second reality is I have a response to that news. If I believe it exists, mm-hmm. I'm hightailing it out of here. If I believe it's not, it doesn't exist. I'm staying where I'm at. Now, here's the key. Regardless of what I believe about it, doesn't change whether it exists or not. Sure. Instead, what should change is whether it exists or not should very clearly determine what action I take, what faith I move in response to that news. And that seems to kind of be how Paul lays out these kind of appearances of, hey, it's not a matter of if Jesus rose. Jesus rose. Yeah, this validates every claim he's ever made. This affirms everything Scripture says, just as Scripture says it. This affirms what God says is right is right, what God says is wrong is wrong. This affirms that God said the way of salvation. You're a sinner, and, and you really are a sinner. There's a way of salvation. It really is in Christ. All of these things are true. So now the question is not whether it doesn't matter if we believe it's true or not. It matters how are we going to respond to it or not. Right. Y'all, y'all have anything to pee back in there? You know, I had a conversation just the other day, and I was recommending the book Case for Christ. Yeah. And, you know, at least... Lee Strobel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. He went out to write the book as an atheist to try and disprove Christianity, yeah. trying to disprove the resurrection of Christ. And in the movie, which is actually quite good, he talks to his Christian friend at his newspaper and says, okay, if I'm to disprove Christianity, where do I start? He says, listen, if you can disprove the resurrection, everything else is a house of cards. Mm-hmm. It's the linchpin of everything we believe. And in his process of trying to disprove it, he comes to the point of, I can't disprove it. Like all the evidence points to this, actually the supernatural crazy event being the most logical thing of it actually happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's true. And, and and that's what's just mind blowing. And for someone who's not a believer, you know, okay, someone raising from the dead, that's nuts. Yeah. Right? That's crazy. Agreed. It is nuts. It's just totally nuts. But when you weigh the evidence to look at all the different options, the crazy thing has to be true. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what's just, it is nuts if your viewpoint is only what man can do. It's not nuts exactly. if God is yeah. who he says he is. Exactly. If, if Jesus logic. was God, yeah. boom, of course it's possible. Yeah. Well, I think we can wrap this thing up. Yeah. Um, Listen, the ultimate application is if, if this hits you somewhere, do what Jesus tells you to do. If you got questions about anything we said, we'd love for you to contact us. No doubt. You can, you can uh, comment on, if you're watching, watching this on something that has comments underneath, you can email us, you can call the church office, you can grab us on a Sunday. But sure. contact us. Let us Absolutely. know if you got questions. Yeah, for sure. And Matt, we got a couple of prayer points here. Um, yeah, I would just, um, these, these prayer points. What? Right there. <laughs> All right. I want you to sound good. Okay. Um, what areas of my life need the resurrection power of Christ? I think looking at, mm. looking at as you evaluate your life, um, what is it that, uh, where is it that you need that, uh, that, that transforming miraculous, um, what, where do you need that in your life? And then who can I share the good news with? Uh, as you've heard these stories today and, and you've heard these, these appearances, um, looking at your life and saying, you know, where seeing, seeing the parallels, you know, with the disciples and say, you know, am I doubting? Um, and if so, I'm going to run to Jesus in my doubts rather than run away from him. Um, but also Jesus has, has given us this command to go into the world and share the good news. Yeah. And, um, that's, that's my responsibility as a follower of Christ. That is a great commission. It's not a great suggestion. It's a great commission where <laughs> that's for all of us. And, um, 
that is that is our responsibility as his as as his hands and feet to now go, but know that we're not going alone. That we have the yeah. power of the Holy Spirit living in us, and um, you know Jesus uh, Jesus came as a person for three years, died, rose again, but now His Spirit lives in us, and yeah. so mm-hmm. we have that power in us, and we have that responsibility to go and to make Him known. And if you need any tools on how to share the gospel, we got a great emoji bracelet for you. Yes, Absolutely. We do. <laughs> you know, and it breaks down the gospel very simply. Well, thank you again for tuning in. Hopefully this was encouraging to you and empowering to follow Jesus. If you have any questions, like Pastor Will said, contact us, leave some comments in the video, and uh, be sure to tune into our next podcast. Whenever that is. Whenever that is. <laughs> Two weeks from now? Let's do Two it. Weeks from now. We'll All see right. you then. Bye. Bye.